This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I'm Matt Fonslow, and after a lot of work, not really, a lot of time and misconnections and all that, I finally get to have Mike Berg from the Flatrate Master YouTube channel. He's very vocal, has a lot of really interesting things to say, really good things to say, honestly. If you get a chance to check it out, I would highly recommend it. He's blunt. I kind of like that. Gets straight to the point, and he opinionated about a great many things. But before we get rolling here, let me just quick say thanks to Nap Auto Tech Training for sponsoring. Napa Auto Tech offers three-hour virtual technical classes that can be accessed from the comfort of your home. To find out what courses are available, go to NapaAutoTech.com and click on the Napa Auto Tech class calendar link. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. So how have you been? Well, the, the obvious thing in the room is I got fired after being at a shop for nine and a half years. Man, I keep waiting to get fired. <laughs> Completely unexpected. That sucks. Yes. Yeah, the unexpected stuff sucks. But I'll move on and figure out what I'm going to do and we'll move on from there. So it is what it is. Hopefully a bunch of opportunities. Yeah. And luckily I've got a pretty good network around that. Like I've already had people reach out to me and give me leads on jobs and that kind of stuff. So it's been, there'll be videos on it, but I mean, it's been great having just people reach out to me and go, you know, I can get you on at this dealership or I can get you probably talking to these people. And it's so important why networking is so important in this industry. Right. I mean, just people don't realize it's not just technical, it's employment, it's finding the right place to go work. You have to have that network of friends. It can be the lead that leads to the lead. Yep. It's crazy. I think the last time I saw you was at Vision. And that might be a few years ago. No, it was Auto Technica. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's still been a while, though. Yeah, it's been a long while. Yeah, because unfortunately, I've never gone to Vision. I've gone to STX, I've gone to TST and some other, but I've never gotten to go to Vision. But you're right. It was that Auto Mechanica. Yeah, here in Atlanta. That's also where I first met uh, Brendan Steckler. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite the ordeal. You didn't get to see Auto Mechanic. We only ran for like, what, two or three years? But... Yeah, it did. What, Chicago, Atlanta, then it went back to Chicago and that was it. Yeah, the Atlanta one was a shadow of what Chicago was, unfortunately. I enjoyed the show, but yeah, it was a lot of like went to STX. It was like, there's so many great classes I can't take, but this many auto technica was like, Oh, well that class or that class. Yeah. I'll take that class. And it was like, there wasn't much really content there. Yeah. The AES wave booth was there. Justin Morgan and Skundrich had the Auros tool there, which is now the IM six weight and five weight. So that was pretty cool. So you worked at an indie shop though? Yes. So what do you think about potentially going to a dealer? I mean, it's probably not the way I'd lean. It's just a dealer tech that reached out to me. That's a friend of mine, you know, has always been at a dealer and he was, could get me on with his Volkswagen dealer or in that same group, a Ford dealer. And I was like, yeah, it's too far of a drive for me, but I appreciate it. Cause you know, you've been to Atlanta. It's a massive city. Yeah. <laughs> and I live on one side of the city and getting all the way to the other side of the city is just not going to happen day to day. Yep, not my world. <laughs> it's, not, it's, yeah. it's so not my world. Small towns. We don't even have a stoplight here. Oh, God. The town I work at has a few. 
(laughs) (laughs) So if you end up working at a shop for like salary, do you have to change your channel name? No, it's not going to (laughs) change. I'll tell you the story of the the name. The concept of the channel came about because I saw Eric, the car guy, was doing stuff about the industry. And then he stopped on his ETCG1 channel. He just kind of stopped talking about it. Humble Mechanic started his channel doing a bunch of that kind of stuff. And then he went more towards the do-it-yourselfer market. And he stopped doing that kind of content. And I was like, there's nothing out there that is really aimed at the technician and especially young technicians getting into this industry. So I was trying to come up with the name and I wanted something that really set what the channel was about. And I was master tech and and just was going through things. And it's like, well, I really want flat rate in in the name because so many shops pay flat rate and it was flat rate master. Okay. Well, in order to have a YouTube channel, you have to have the email address that coincides with the channel name and the email was, was available. And that was how the name was born. It was just, it rolled off the tongue good. It denoted what I wanted to denote in the name. And the email address was available on Google. I talk about a lot of stuff that really involves any kind of technician in the industry. I was going to say that that's kind of, I'm glad you brought it up first because a few of your posts or videos really pertain to anybody in any shop. You know, how to become more efficient, how to become more productive. It doesn't matter if they're on flat rate or not that plays perfectly well into any work environment or any shop and you go after everybody. And I I don't want to imply that Mike's mean by any means or anything like that, but I would say it's, you're pretty straight to the point and you're going after the people that deserve it and not even going after people specifically, but bringing up management's role in efficient system and then the technicians as well. And to the whole chain that working together, the whole entity working together to be as productive as possible. The whole shop has to work well for the entire system to work. If you're horrible about procuring parts and the technician sitting there waiting with a torn down car doesn't have parts, that doesn't make the shop money. That doesn't keep the lights on. Whether that technician is hourly salary or whatever, it's still unproductive. That's what I preach about is we need to work on getting our systems so that our shops can make money. Because if the shop doesn't make money, it's not going to stay in business. One of them, you talked about the number of times the hoist goes up and down. We are not a flat rate shop, but we do have a profit sharing program. The more money the shop makes, the more everybody makes. Like bringing that up to the techs kind of monitor how many times is the hoist going up and down? And then how many times did it go up and down when it really didn't have to, if you would have approached it slightly differently? So when you said that, that just really resonated with me. And it was a really, I mean, I thought it was pretty sharp. And then it's something that obviously you've thought about, had to put into practice. It's not even just my job. I try to do everything I can as efficiently as possible. I want to get through whatever I'm doing as quickly as possible, as efficiently as I can, whether it's editing a video, whether it's filming a video and working on cars. So I'm always thinking two or three steps ahead of anything I'm doing. That's how my brain works. Put a car up in the air with a tool on the top of the engine and had to lower it back down. I was pissed at myself for letting that happen. Just it took me what a couple minutes, but it was still an efficiency loss. 
And I'm always trying to analyze how I can do things slightly better. Yeah, that's something I try to tell fellow techs. And now that I'm kind of in more of a type of a managerial role and stuff, we're just talking about stuff that that's one of the things to reflect, reflect on your day. You know, I guess not to just always be referring to other episodes, but I guess I kind of did one about, we didn't, it's not a diary, but kind of journaling. And for some people, journaling can be really, really powerful. Just ask, you know, Jordan Peterson. But even if you don't write it down on the drive home, to just be kind of thinking about the day and whatever car, it doesn't matter, Diag, you know, is my world, but any task, if I did that all over again, knowing what I know now, what would I do differently that could have saved a few minutes? Exactly. It could be anything from a Diag. I mean, I'm sure every Diag tech has that one story where they forgot to check something stupid simple. Like I go back to where I forgot to test a ground back years ago. I mean, this was before I watched Scanner Danner or any of that stuff, forgot to check a ground. And I spent, I think, another hour trying to figure it out for a bad ground. So that has stayed with me. Or to give a other example is when I check for a, like a blown fuse in a fuse box, I check every fuse. Just because that one fuse that's on that circuit is good doesn't mean two fuses over isn't a blown fuse that is causing the problem you're thinking of just is not in the wiring diagram you're looking at. And you're already there. Yes. Take the extra couple seconds. Nothing else. You'll find a blown, you know, cigarette lighter fuse or whatever. You got to keep analyzing yourself. You know, if you're not improving and learning, you're just standing still. And every time you look at what you've done, it could be just simple things that through the course of your day, you realize, oh, I had Two cars I had to do oil changes on. I walked twice to the shelf to get filters, but I had those tickets in hand. Why didn't I just grab both filters while I was over there? Sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. I don't know. It's almost like they get frantic. The faster you move, if you're going, 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 that's when mistakes happen. That's when you put the intake manifold on without putting the, the harness back down. Simple mistakes like that just slow you down more than taking your time and going, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. It's simple processes that the faster you go, it's, it really just does, can screw you over. It's kind of like the NASCAR wheel guys, tires, wheels, the fastest, smooth, smooth is fast. You know, it's all about being smooth more than try to move as smooth as possible. Yeah, I can tell you from being at the Quaker State 400, 500 that I was here in Atlanta for Quaker State. I can tell you when the wheel fell off of a car, it slowed them down a whole lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and nowadays it's one big nut, not the you know five lug nuts. So they really screwed up. There's other stuff you talk about that I really, really like that's aimed at the entry level tech and those that don't have a ton of experience with what tools to buy, where to spend their money. Finance is something that is not taught to kids. They don't understand how to budget. I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, you had to take home ec and they talked about home budgeting. I didn't care about it at the time. I still learned stuff, but that's something that's not talked about in schools anymore. And most parents don't even talk about it because let's be honest, most parents are living paycheck to paycheck. They're counting pennies at 40 years old to figure out if they've got enough gas to get to work. So that was something that I really wanted to include in my channel because I've made stupid mistakes buying tools when I was young. Going out and buying 
oh, that's so cool. I need that. I don't use it, but I, I got to have that. And so many techs I've, I've worked with over the years, I've worked with a lot of young techs and you see them out in the truck and they've got a perfectly good impact, but the snap on guys pushing them on the new one and, you know, oh, it's only, you know, 20 bucks a week. And I'm like, dude, you don't have the sockets to use that gun. If you want to buy something, buy the sockets or whatever. And so that's, I preach understanding budgeting. Like a lot of people just are so horrible at money. They just had to include it in talking to young technicians because it's a huge problem for society in general that you should, nobody should live paycheck to paycheck, no matter what they make, unless they're making slave wages and They've done some really bad things in their life as far as poor decisions. But if you're an adult and you have a halfway decent job, you should be living well within your means. And most people don't. The new iPhone comes out and they got to run out and get it. Their old phone worked fine. Why are you running out and spending $1,000 on a phone when you have trouble paying your gas bill for the week to get to work? Or they want to scan tool for at home. It's usually what I hear is I want to get a scan tool for at home. And they're on the snap on truck just to pick on a truck, not snap on specifically. They're all guilty. They leave with a brand new Triton. Yeah. Which they needed like a hole in the head. Or worse, Zeus Pro Workstation. It's like, why? You know, reviewing scan tools is like, I try to include this does everything this does. This just has, I'll use launch as an example. Their lower tier tools do everything the bigger tools do. You just can add more stuff to the bigger tools or the bigger tools come with more stuff. And so for a technician that doesn't know how to use a scope, yeah, a scope is going to come in handy and is something, a skill you should learn. But if you don't understand how to use it, the additional cost is not going to be worth it. Buy something like a U-scope and learn how to use a scope before you spend that kind of money. That's great advice. I use the heck out of that thing. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't own one. The tech I used to work next to—that was his only scope—was a U scope. But I've got a Varus Edge, Pico, the Launch Scope. I had plenty of scopes to use. I mean, I have a bunch of Picos, A channel Pico stuff like that. But sometimes I'm just checking stuff at like the blower motor, and I just don't need it all. So the Vantage Pro that gets used quite a bit, and then course pico especially when i want to look at three four six seven eight stuff pico has a new nine channel scope you can just see it happen to it not even so much young just new we've had a few techs that aren't so young but they're new and they don't have much that truck shows up and there's all those shiny tools and boxes and then you know well let me sharpen my pencil here yeah you know normally this stuff would cost this much but they're having this promo and if you spend like 5000 I can get you in at this really low rate and I'll carry you for this other amount and it'll be, you know, 75 a week. And they don't realize that it's two separate payments. You got to pay whatever credit and the truck. I've dealt with a lot of good tool dealers that are absolutely will not do that. But I've also had tool dealers that will absolutely prey on inexperienced I mean, like my Mac dealer that wouldn't sell a guy, he wanted a big, huge triple bank toolbox. And the guy was working out of a little Husky or something. I don't remember exactly what. He refused to sell him the toolbox. He just says, no, you, this, you need tools. 
This isn't something you need to spend money on. Next week, he goes in there and there's a brand new Snap-on box. And he still had no tools. And now he was paying $100 a week for a toolbox that was virtually empty. We're a society that likes consumption. And unfortunately, techs like tools. So don't always make the best decisions. I still fall into that category. (laughs) Oh, uh, so do I. There's a reason I have two triple bank toolboxes (laughs) that are both full. (laughs) (laughs) And a locker, uh, two roll carts, and stuff that I've accumulated over the years still in storage. Most of my hand tools fit pretty well in a, I suppose it's technically a two bank Maco, but then all the other stuff is in cases on shelves all over the place. Through my entire career, I've always tried to mentor young techs. I've always been the guy in the shop to help whether I was paid for it or not. As long as people treated my tools with respect, they were always more than welcome to use them. Like, I didn't even care if you told me you borrowed a tool. If I knew the techs, they're like, just grab it. I don't care. Just bring it back. And if you break it, tell me at least. Unfortunately, the shop that I left, they're going to very quickly find out how much stuff they don't have. That happens, right? They don't quite realize it. And then when it's not there, all of a sudden, especially nowadays, trying to procure some of the stuff. (laughs) Well, because I was there since the shop opened. Oh, wow. I was employee number three. The first two employees are the owner and the service writer. So I was literally the third employee. The main shop was the property that the shop owner owns. And then there was a muffler shop that had a lower section that they rented out. And there was a fire many years ago. And basically, the building was not usable because it was structurally damaged. And it had been shut down. So he agreed to, to split the costs of renovating it and to rent it from the owner of that property. So we have six bays downstairs with an alignment rack. And... Uh, 10 bays upstairs, or we used, I used to. I don't work there, obviously, anymore. But because I'd been there for so long, the upper shop does not own a smoke machine. The lower shop has a smoke machine. The upper shop used my smoke machines because I had a Snap-on that I'd bought years ago and then used to be sponsored by OTC. So they had sent me a leak tamer. And basically, it became the shop was using my Snap-on and I was using the leak tamer. Being mostly diagnostics, you tend to use a smoke machine a lot. and But I had them, so there was no reason to buy new ones. And I didn't care if they used them. But when I left, they both went home with me. The oil extractor, because we the shop works on a good bit of Volkswagens and easiest ways to just stick a tube down the dipstick and suck it out. The oil extractor is mine. <laughs> Not counting all the special tools that I own that the shop doesn't own. The uh, upper shop. Nobody in the upper shop had a scan tool that would clear 18 and up Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram cars. They had to use my tool. For 98 years, the Napa name has meant quality parts and service. It also reflects top quality training programs to help you build a more successful vehicle repair business. No doubt, the technician shortage is impacting everyone, but you're not facing this battle alone. Napa has the solution by making Napa Auto Tech training available near you. Napa Autotech provides automotive aftermarket technicians career development opportunities through structured, disciplined, measured, and high-quality technical instruction, no matter the technician or service advisor's skill level. This instruction enhances understanding of vehicle systems, increases first-time repair capability, and overall customer satisfaction. It also prepares technicians to become ASE certified. 
It's a fact. Technicians who receive training to improve their knowledge and skills have a higher sense of job satisfaction. This reduces technician turnover and increases productivity, directly improving a shop's profitability. It is vital to the success of a shop's business that today's technicians are equipped to diagnose and repair today's complex vehicles. With our ever-changing technology, the technician's knowledge and skills need to be updated and refreshed on a regular basis. As you labor over the decision of whether to send your techs to get their skills sharpened, keep in mind, Napa Auto Tech Training is an investment, not an expense, and it's available to all. Much of Napa Auto Tech's training is offered in more than one format to accommodate varieties of learning styles and training preferences so each person can maximize their learning. Whether you're more of a hands-on person or enjoy learning at your own pace, Napa Auto Tech is here to provide you with the training you need in the format that works best for you. To learn more about what Napa Auto Tech offers, contact NapaAutoTech.com. There's a lot of good things to say about what we do. There, there really is. But this is one thing that's just tough to get my head wrapped around. And some of it is like the shop I work at, a lot of it's me. Like, you don't want to buy it? I'm going to go buy it. I kind of force the issue. But there's some things like you as a tech have it. And you'd been there for, what'd you say, like nine years. So you're nine and a half years from the get go. It's like more than just an employee, like part of the shop. And you have the investment in this equipment to do the work that they advertise to do for the life of me offhand. I can't think of another profession where this really happens. I mean, knowledge. Yes. Tooling. No, really. This is the only one where tooling is so important to the job. And part of the reason why I've accumulated the stuff I have is because shops didn't have it. And if I wanted to do something, it was either I buy it or we don't have it. And talking about efficiency, if there's a better way to do it and a tool can help me do it, I'm going to buy that tool. I've been doing this for 28 years. And so that and add the sponsorships that I have with my channel, there's not a lot of stuff that I really need. So most of my, since I've started the channel, most of what I've, since I've started the channel, it's been that will help me make money or that'll help make the shop money, or this might come in handy. So it's, it, you know, I don't need sockets and wrenches anymore. So it never bothered me to buy stuff like arranging for OTC to send me a scan, uh, to send me a smoke machine that didn't cost me anything. So it was like, you know, I get to give them advertising by the channel and do some videos with it. And then I, you know, get to use it. And it, Gave the, sh- the shop smoke machine so I didn't have to wait for my smoke machine. <laughs> Again, slightly s- different situation where I'm not buying stuff so much to work more efficiently. I, although I guess technically it would anyways, but it's also to like expand capabilities. So I, I find myself investing a lot more of my money, not hand tools as much anymore, but equipment to delve in further and further into a mobilizer and EEPROM and ADOS, stuff like that, that kind of trying to beat everyone else to the punch. Thing is, is I could have gotten manufacturer to send me a complete ADOS system, but I couldn't justify them sending it to me because one, the cost and two, could I really make enough content on it to make it worthwhile for both of us? And, and really in those two shops, there's only one place that we could do ADOS calibrations and it would have literally shut down the lower shop. Yeah, I was just going to say that's kind of the biggest problem is the space. Yeah, we have to rent space offsite. It was pure dumb luck that the space was open, working with a collision shop that needs regular ADOS calibrations. They're now doing windshields. They have their own glass person on, on 
staff. So it sent the uh, number of calibrations we do through the roof for us. You know, in the grand scheme of things, we're probably not even in it compared to a lot of the mobile techs or companies. But we're doing three, four calibrations a day, which before it was maybe three, four a week. That's a huge jump. Yeah. So, but when we're not over there using it, we're paying money for open space. What do you do? You know, in Atlanta, real estate's really expensive. Oh, I can't even imagine. I just, I can't even imagine. Have you heard of Snowmageddon in Atlanta? What, uh, well, it had been about 10 years ago. I don't know if I heard about that. Oh, we had, it went from rain to freezing rain from, I mean, just instantly. Ground was already cold, so highways iced over. I was working down the road from the shop I got fired from, like we're literally right around the block. I left that shop at two o'clock. I finally got home at 3 a.m. And it's the same 23 miles I drive now, or used to drive. I mean, literally, roads were stopped everywhere. Nobody could get anywhere. I mean, like, I know it's in a podcast, but like inch and a half of ice on the roads. Atlanta is not equipped to deal with ice. Freezing rain? I don't know if I know anywhere that deals with it really well. Yeah, of course, you get the sanding trucks out, and eventually it's better. But freezing rain, you know, yeah, it doesn't shut us down, but it probably should because so many cars in the ditch. Because not saying nobody went into the ditch in Atlanta, but it's probably a lot to do with nobody has vehicles or tires remotely designed for it. Minnesota, they're so arrogant. Like, oh, I'm a Minnesotan. I'll just put my vehicle in four wheel drive and we'll be good to go. And I think we might be the worst drivers ever. (laughs) Oh, you haven't dealt with rednecks and four wheel drive trucks (laughs) that don't realize that you still can't stop on ice. I know rednecks and Georgia. I'm friends with Patrick Masters. (laughs) Patrick's a good guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. Patrick was actually one of the guys that called me after Monday's video went live. Well, I'm trying to think, what could you guys do? Patrick Masters, the flat rate master. There's got to be something there. Just got to be. He'll hook you up in a van. Away you go. He was actually trying to help me get on with a a shop. And there's group he used to work for that might be contacting me. We'll see. Nice. He has his group of shops. He takes really, really good care of them. He cares a lot about them, like legitimately, all kidding aside, he cares about those shops immensely. And I get it, you know, they're also funding his business and all that. But yeah, he takes it very, very seriously. I've known Patrick for several years back when he was working for another mobile programming company. And we had a huge problem with one of the guys they sent out there. And he came out there, dealt with it. And he was like awesome. And he wasn't, that wasn't when he had his company. He was just trying to fix a problem with a customer that was, that was having with his company at the time. And he went above and beyond to take care of it. And that was when it was just working for him. And that's primarily who the shop that I used to work at uses is Patrick. Nice. And I was actually the one that got them to switch over. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just, he's a good guy. If he listens to this, I'm going to be getting a phone call, though. <laughs> I may do. <laughs> you have to write down some insults. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've been Facebook friends and all that, and I've known him for years. And one day I got a message from him. He goes, you're the flat rate master? <laughs> <laughs> Had no idea. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Never seen one of my videos, didn't know about me. He was looking up some tools. My video came up and I know that dude. I think it's kind of the rage right now to uh, 
come down on flat rate in general. And I sympathize, but I think the issue is with anything poorly managed or poorly run, that then it doesn't matter what the plan is. If it's not well executed by everybody, it goes to hell in a handbasket. You can have a great efficient shop with technicians billing over 100% on hourly or salary. If they're managed correctly, you have the right personnel. And as long as you're compensating them, I've always said, I don't care how you get paid. I care that you get the most money you can for the job you do. And for me, my experience has been if you want to make the most money, at least in my area, you need to be flat rate. You need to be at a busy shop that can support flat rate, obviously. But any shop that is run well, regardless of how the techs are paid, if they've got the right people in all the steps and it's run well, every shop can be over 100% with the right people. It's not about the pay system as far as that's the only thing I care about. It's I want every tech that's out there to make the most money they can. I want every shop owner that is doing things right to make the most money they can as long as they're compensating their people well. It's the ecosystem of business and happy employees equal happy customers and everything flows up. So if everything's working, everything should be making money. And that's what I want. For many, many years, you've been really hammering about taking care of the techs, taking care of employees and kind of empowering them to ask for more, demand more, if you will. And that's unfortunately, I don't know if the people we need to hear it always hear it, but you've been there doing that for a long time. And yeah, it just, I guess it means a lot. It's a physical job. Even if you're doing diagnostics, you're still going to have to stick your hand in hot cars, get burnt. You're going to get arthritis in your hands from T-pinning or D-pinning connectors or doing all that tedious stuff that diagnostic guys have to do. It's hard on your body and you need to make as much money doing it as you can while you can. You're not going to be 70 years old chucking in transmissions. I mean, you're just not. I mean, you might be the old guy in the corner helping the guy diagnose a you know check engine light in 30 years, but you're not going to be the guy doing physically stuff every day. And the best analogy I can give you is a football player. You know, a football players, what, maybe going to hit 30 before they're done. They have to make all their money by the time they're 30, because by the time they're 30, their income's already dropped off. Now, it's not the same in automotive because generally as your experience goes up, your income goes up and you start doing the more difficult tasks like diagnostics and can diagnostics generally. I mean, not everybody's going to do that, but generally your income will go up and it takes a lot longer for that downward slide where you start getting slower and slower. But during that time in your prime, you need to make as much money as you can. It's as simple as that. Yep. Unless you're Tom Brady. Yeah, well, we're not all Tom Brady. <laughs> no, not by a long stretch. Or Brett Favre and retire 15 times. <laughs> well, he has a volleyball court to... Wait, no, he didn't have to fund that himself. Forget it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you bring up like the wear and tear on your body too. I think something that's happening that we didn't see so much years ago, and it affects, I think, mostly like the dyad guys or the heavy dyad guys are neck issues from having their head down looking at a scan tool or a laptop and your arms in close, you know, elbows close to your sides typing or whatever. This is something that we didn't really experience years ago. I think maybe if you had some neck problems back in the day, it maybe would have been because you were on a, you know, a skateboard rolling around underneath the car 
the creeper or always looking up maybe. But I think that's less of an issue looking up than it is down with all that weight. Yeah. I mean, it's putting a lot of stress on your spine and that will cause issues with your uh, discs. Yeah. I would say specifically C6, C7. (laughs) Speaking from experience, I can tell. Yeah. I was in my very, very early thirties and they wanted the fuse. And I'm looking at the doctor like, that seems like the stupidest idea I've ever heard. He's like, well, why? I'm like, doing what I do, then won't the joints above and below have to overcompensate? And then I'm just going to herniate those that much faster. It just seems like so ridiculous. So physical therapy and then what really helped out was a chiropractor, but not so much like the chiropractic adjustments specifically, you know, or the twisting and putting a strap around my head and under my jaw and everything and then pulling. It almost looked like he was, then he's just leaning back, pulling on my neck. And that helped more than anything. You see it in office workers. That's why sit-stand desks are now a thing is because you're sitting in the same position for hours on end and you're looking at a screen that's hard on your eyes, carpal tunnel from typing all day. Doesn't matter what you do. Everything's going to be a toll on your body. But anything you do repetitively is going to be a toll on your body, whether it's looking down at a scan tool, sticking your arm next to an exhaust manifold, it's going to take a toll. And it's a fact of life for techs. I'm horrible. I mean, my hearing's damaged because I didn't wear hearing protection. Knee pads, simple things like that. If I could do stuff standing at my toolbox with a scan tool, I would. So I didn't have the scan tool, you know, on the car or on the seat or whatever. So I wasn't looking down at it. Obviously, that's not always possible, but it's important to think about that when you're working on cars. Because, you know, just, oh, I'll just do this, you know, hit this air hammer real quick damage. And not that I'm any better at that, but I try to preach it. With all the stuff we know now, not just like to our bodies specifically, but just in general, you would think we'd have a a stronger movement of footwear, quality footwear, quality insoles, back braces where, or back support where logical, anti-fatigue mats where logical. What can we do to kind of reduce some of the load? Like it isn't so much the lifting, it's the repetitive lifting or of course, improper lifting and the standing. I think standing is harder on us than, you know, if we're just constantly walking around, but a lot of times we're not, we're standing in one spot, shifting side to side, foot to foot and lower backs going out. One of the things I preached a lot in young technicians when working on cars, like low cars, like Honda Civics, Accords is don't bend over. Pick the car up on the lift so it's at a comfortable working height so you're not all stooped over. And it was the hardest thing to convince people to do that. It's like, dude, you're just killing yourself. Why? Take the couple seconds to spot the car, put it up in the air a little bit, and then you're not going to be, you know, clenching your back at two o'clock. I can tell a story. He was a shop foreman at the lower shop at the shop I was at. And He's notorious for bench pressing manual transmissions. And when he was working next to me, he was screaming. And I'm sitting there working in my bay. I don't know what's going on. I look up. He's screaming at me to come help him. And he had bench pressed. I think it was a Civic transmission. Bench pressed it up, tried to stick it on the transmission and couldn't get the pilot bearing to line up. I ran over there, grabbed the transmission from him. He dropped to the ground, like literally dropped to the ground, just shaking. Because he'd been over there holding it for so long. So I'm sitting there, you know, 
trying to wiggle it in. I finally get it wiggled into the pilot bearing, get it on the studs, and I'm sitting there holding it. And I'm going, dude, I need bolts. Need I need bolts. And he still does it. Oh, man. I've yelled at him about it. I've talked to him about it. Other techs have talked to him about it. And he'll go grab somebody else's transmission out and bench press it out. Like, And he's in constant pain now. I bet. And he's in his early 30s. He weightlifts too, but that's, and he's torn stuff because of weightlifting, but still it's, no, <laughs> don't do that. Get a transmission jack. Well, yeah. And, and if you're in your twenties and you are late teens, early twenties, you just feel indestructible, but maybe it won't happen in your twenties, but your thirties, and it's not like you're so old, but you're breaking yourself down and you're getting away with stuff and you're getting away with stuff and one bad twist. And that's pretty much a sentence for the rest of your life that you're going to be dealing with this pain. And if it's in your back, everything you do, no, thank you. I think I'd rather just do it the right way. Yeah. I mean, I'm 48 years old and other than knee pain, which I've had since I was 15, it's been a constant for my entire adult life into my, till I was 15. Hell, my daughter has the same problem, problems with our knees. I don't wake up in constant pain because I've damaged my hearing I have metal in my eye that I haven't gotten removed, but the rest of my body is not torn up because I learned early on to work smarter as far as my physical body. I've been raising cars up to work on them forever because I realized, oh, this is stupid to bend over. Or if I'm working under a dash, take the couple minutes, pull the driver's seat out so you can lay down rather than, you know, trying to shove yourself between the seat and the under the dash. That's something that a lot of people don't understand is that every time you do that kind of stuff, it takes a toll. It just adds up over time. And that's why when I get out of bed, like unlike other techs that are my age are just screaming in pain, you know, some of it could be chalked up to genetics. I mean, I don't know, but I've done my best to not hurt myself in those kind of ways. I really, really appreciate you taking time to hang out. Oh, thanks for having me. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to check out Mike on YouTube at Flat Rate Master. Like I said, it's got a lot to say about a lot of different things. A lot of it really, really good. A lot of it very pertinent. And thank you to our sponsor, Napa Auto Tech Training. Thank you to the Aftermarket Radio Network for making this all possible. And until next time, take care. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to Matt Fonslow, diagnosing the aftermarket A to Z on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Matt on your favorite listening app. He's very interested in what you have to say. Let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show. Matt is all for advancing the aftermarket. Find Matt Fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.